Today we're answering important questions about biblical fasting, including, is the popular Daniel fast even biblical? You might want to stick around to find out. We started talking about the subject of fasting and prayer in the last video, and there's no better time to talk about this as much of the body of Christ is taking this first month of the year to do just that. They're dedicating this time to seek the Lord's direction, push all other distractions away, and make it so that they can run their race more accurately this year. And when it comes to this subject, there are a lot of questions that do arise about this topic. So I wanted to take a video and answer some important questions that people have and some frequently asked questions that people have about the topic of fasting and prayer. So I have four questions today that we're going to answer and I believe this is going to be much of a help to you. So let's jump right into this. Here's the first question that we're going to answer and a lot of people ask this but there is a biblical answer to this question. Why does my natural body hate fasting so much? Many people have this question because it seems like every time you decide to fast spiritually, your body will fight you. Anytime, have you ever noticed that if you had a busy day, you're working a lot and you forget to eat, you don't even notice it. You're busy, you're doing whatever you're doing, you didn't have time to eat, you completely forgot about it, and then you get to your end of your day and you're like, wait, hold on a minute, I didn't even eat all day and I didn't notice. But then, when you decide as a believer that I'm going to take the first 21 days of this month and fast and pray and draw closer to the Lord and seek his direction for this year, and when you do that, what happens? Your body automatically says, nope. No, thank you. We ain't doing that. And your body fights and fights and fights and fights. Why is that? When you forget to eat, you don't even notice. But when you decide to fast and pray, all hell breaks loose. What is that? Why is that the case? Well, you have to understand that your desire to eat, your hunger, is one of the strongest desires of the human body. And many people, including Christians, are led by their flesh. They're led by the desires of their flesh. Anything that their flesh tells them to do, they do it. Any, if your flesh says, do this, do that, do that, do that, in an instant, you do it. And many people train themselves to be led by what their flesh tells them to do. And in doing so, they neglect the desires of their spirit. So when you decide to fast and take time to fast and pray, you send a big message to your flesh and say, I will not be led by you. I am taking this time not to neglect my spirit, but tend to spiritual things and your desires are going on the back burner. I am not, you are not going to be the leading man in my life. My spirit is going to take charge. And... Your flesh doesn't like that. Much like a disobedient child when you tell them no. Tell a disobedient child no. That 
thinks they can always get their way. The minute you tell them no and say, nope, it's not going to be like that today, what do they do? Throw themselves on the floor, start throwing tantrums, start acting up. That's how your flesh starts acting. Because many people have been used to being led, as I said, by the flesh. So when you finally say, no, we're not doing that, I'm switching things around, then your flesh says, um, excuse me, and starts throwing a tantrum. And many people use that to stop them from fasting because I can't take it. My flesh fights me too much. It's, it's, it's too much. I can't take it. Like, how can I actually make it through a fast when all I'm hearing is my flesh just fighting me, fighting me, fighting me and telling me to eat? Well, let's go to the word of God. Let's see what the word of God has to say about this. Go to Galatians 5. And let's see what verse 16 has to say. Galatians 5 verse 16. The Apostle Paul says here, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But, verse 18, when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Go back up to verse 17, that last part. Watch what he says there again. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires, which are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So watch this. The Bible tells you that your spirit has desires, and your flesh also has desires. But the desires of your spirit and your flesh do not intermingle. They are contrary to each other. And your flesh, those desires, it is hardwired to go against God. They are hardwired to disobey God and his commands. They don't have no interest in that. And your spirit wants to please God. And because they are so opposite of each other, they start fighting. They are always at war with each other. And this is why whenever you decide to do things that are spiritual, whenever you decide to tend to spiritual things, your flesh starts fighting. And your flesh has no desire to do that. This is why if you ever notice, anytime you go to pray, what happens? Your mind starts going in 13 different directions. You start getting tired. You don't want to pray. You feel heavy pushed back from your body and something telling you not to do it and giving you every single reason why you shouldn't do it. Same thing happens when you go to read your word. All of a sudden, you sit down to read your Bible. What happens? Your eyes start getting heavy. You wasn't feeling tired until you sat down to read your word. Same thing happens with getting ready to go to church. Sunday mornings, what happens? Oh, I don't want to get up this morning. Yo, I don't want to go to church today. You know, maybe I'll just sleep in. Maybe I'll watch Maybe I'll watch a service online. Thank God for live stream. Because, what is that? Your flesh and your spirit are against each other. And your flesh's desires, your flesh does not desire to follow God. 
it is hardwired to disobey God. So whenever you say, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to tend to spiritual things, I'm going to give in to the desires of your spirit, your flesh doesn't say, oh yes, let's go. Your flesh starts to fight it. It starts to fight back. But the good news about that is the more you tend to spiritual desires, the more you give in to the things of the spirit, the more you take time to follow the spirit, it strengthens your spirit, man, and makes it easier to overcome and say no to your flesh. It makes it easier to do that. And the opposite is true also. The more you tend to fleshly desires, the more you let your flesh lead you and guide you, the harder it is to tend to spiritual things. So you have to make sure that as a believer, you live a life that the Apostle Paul said is guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Because when you're led by the Holy Spirit, and you let your spirit be the leading man in your life, then you are under no obligation to follow your flesh. You are under no obligation to follow your fleshly desires. You don't have to give in to your flesh every time it tells you to do something. No, because I'm not led by him. I'm not led by that person. I'm led by the spirit of God. So you have to understand that your flesh will always try to push you away from spiritual things. It will always try to get you to go into the opposite direction. And the same thing is true with fasting. When you're on a fast, your flesh is going to do everything to try to get you to come off of a fast. Why? Because when you're doing it biblically, you are tending to spiritual things. There is great spiritual power that is access and release when you fast. There are many spiritual benefits to you fasting as a believer. And because that does not fall in line with the desires of your flesh, it starts fighting. It starts fighting and will do everything in its power to get you to come off the fast. You see this with Jesus in the wilderness. What happened when Jesus went into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And the Bible says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. In the midst of this, the enemy comes to tempt him. What is the first thing that the enemy tempted Jesus with? The first thing that the enemy tempted Jesus with was food. He tried to get him to break his fast. Understand that. He tried to get him to break his fast. He tried to pull him out of the spiritual realm, pull him back into this flesh realm, and keep his attention on his flesh. He had been 40 days and 40 nights not eating, not eating, but praying in the wilderness, tending to spiritual things, fasting, doing all of that. And here comes the enemy. Take your eyes off of that. Don't tend to spiritual desires. Take your eyes and put it back on your flesh. And you have to understand, that's how it works. The enemy your flesh is trying to pull you out of the spiritual realm. It's trying to take your attention off of that and put your attention back on here. The natural realm, your flesh, because if the enemy can keep you there, then you won't be effective. If the enemy can get you to stop tending to the things of the spirit, then you're not going to be effective. You won't be a threat to him. You won't cause any problems for him. And then you're good. So understand that when you tend to spiritual things, in this case, when you decide to fast and pray, 
You are taking your attention off of your flesh. You are taking your attention away from fulfilling the desires of your flesh and putting it on to spiritual things. And the enemy and your flesh cannot have that happen because once you turn your attention in a different direction, then you're taking power away from them. And you're messing with the realm that they thrive in. No wonder why some people come under opposition when they go on a fast. Especially at the beginning of a fast. No wonder why that happens. But let me tell you something. Push through that. Push through that. Do not give in. Just like Jesus resisted the enemy, you can do the same thing. Jesus pushed through it. The enemy tried to tempt him with food. 40 days and 40 nights without food, it would have been great to turn a stone into bread. But Jesus said, no, that's not going to happen. And he successfully overcame the temptations of the enemy. Guess what? You can do the same thing. You can be successful when your flesh tries to fight you while you're fasting. Nope, not doing that. I'm not tending to fleshly desires. I'm tending to spiritual things. And there will be great spiritual benefits that you obtain when you do that. Amen? So, number one, why does my flesh fight me so hard when I'm fasting? That's what it's supposed to do. It's hardwired to disobey God. Its desires are contrary to the desires of the spirit. And it will fight you. But you have the power to say no to your flesh. You are under no obligation to give in. The Bible tells you in Romans 8 that because you've been set free from the law of sin and death, you no longer have an obligation to follow what your sinful nature and what your flesh desires. That's good news for you. So that's the first question. Question number two. Let's jump into this. This is a very interesting question. Do I have to keep my fast a secret? Is it wrong to tell people that I'm fasting? Go to Matthew chapter 6. People ask this question because of something that Jesus said here in Matthew 6. Let's read it. Let's start in verse 5. Watch what Jesus says. He says, and when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now jump down to verse 16. He continues and says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for your fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will get. But when you, verse 17, fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. So, a lot of people get kind of confused by Jesus' words here and think that in general you are not allowed to tell anybody that you're fasting or that corporate fasts are actually a bad thing. So, whenever you do go on a fast, you must keep it a complete secret. Don't tell nobody anything. If anybody invites you out to eat, you have to play scrabble with your words to get around telling them that you're actually fasting. Let me help you with something. <laughs> Jesus was addressing a, 
a specific problem here. He says it very clearly here that when you fast, don't do it like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, what did the hypocrites do? They looked purposely. They purposely made themselves look disheveled and look miserable so that people would admire them for their fasting. He also said, going back up, when you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites who go on the street corners and in the synagogues and pray so that people will look at them and admire them and be like, oh, look, that one is praying. Look at his eloquent words. Look at his great speech. Look at his big use of words. It's a specific problem that Jesus is addressing here. So with that said, you have to understand that Jesus wasn't saying this as a general rule. He said, if you are going to fast and pray like the hypocrites do, if you're going to do these things that carry spiritual benefits and do it for fleshly reward, then we have a problem. And it's not in a word. And as I said earlier, the enemy and your flesh are always trying to keep you down in the natural fleshly realm. They don't want you to tend to spiritual things. So when you even do something like fasting and do it for human approval, for human praise, to look more spiritual, to have people perceive you as you're some like demigod or something like that, there's no spiritual benefit to that. You're right back in the fleshly realm. You are being pulled right back to the natural fleshly realm and you're missing the whole entire point of fasting. You're missing the whole point. So, as I said, if you, if that is your motivation to fast, human approval, human praise, to look more spiritual, then you're doing it wrong. And you fall into this category that Jesus is talking about. And there's no spiritual reward for you. The only reward that you're going to get is human praise and human approval. That's it. However, if that is not your motivation for fasting and prayer, and you're doing it with the right motivation. You don't care about what people think. You don't care about the human praise and human approval. You don't care about that. Your focus is on the Lord and everything that he has for you and to draw closer to him and to receive his direction and tap into greater levels of spiritual power. Then guess what? You're in good standing. Your heart is in the right place. So therefore, your reward is not natural at that point. Your reward is spiritual. On top of that, you have to understand this too, that corporate fast, you see in the word of God, that corporate fast were called. Not every fast in the Bible was a secret. There were times where groups of people went on fast together. Let me give you some examples. In the book of Jonah, Jonah 3, verse 5, when Jonah finally went to Nineveh and gave them the message from the Lord, I believe it was 40 days from here and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. What happened? When he told them that, Nineveh heard what he said and they believed his message. And the Bible tells you that they were so distraught and so saddened over their sinful state and over the fact that destruction was coming, that they went into repentance and all of Nineveh went on a fast. They called a fast and they put on sackcloth and they repented before the Lord. 
And when they finally did that, God forgave them for their sins and didn't destroy them. And the Bible even tells you that even their animals were fasting. They wouldn't even let their animals eat. Then they put sackcloth on their animals. Everybody in Nineveh went into repentance until God forgave them. Another corporate fast. You also see the Israelites, when they were seeking direction from God in Judges 20, verse 26, they went on a corporate fast together. Acts 13, the prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch fasted. Acts 13, verse 1 to 3, they went on a fast, and as they were fasting and worshiping, the Bible tells you that the Holy Ghost spoke and said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the special work that I've called them to. And then the Bible says with more fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them out to do that work. A chapter later in Acts 14, verse 21, when Paul and Barnabas were in different places, preaching the gospel, getting people saved, all of that, they established churches in those areas, and with prayer and fasting, they picked elders and put them over God's people and committed them to the Lord, the Bible says. So you see in all these cases that there were many times in the scriptures where groups of people went on fast together. Not every fast in the Bible was a secret. There were times where there were corporate fasts. And I told you in the last video that the Didache even stated that the early church corporately fasted two days a week. They fasted two days a week. Corporately. That wasn't a secret fast either. So you see many examples in scripture and outside through history of Christians and believers and people in the word of God fasting corporately. So not every fast was a secret, which tells you that Jesus wasn't saying in Matthew chapter six, that if you tell someone you're fasting, it's a problem. No, he was saying if your motivation behind your fasting is for human approval and you do things so that people will look at you and think you're some spiritual demigod then that's where you have the problem don't fast like the hypocrites do not fast like the hypocrites if you are not fasting like a hypocrite then you are on the right track if you are not fasting for human approval then you are on the right track amen that's what you have to understand so be at ease. Be put at ease. If you get caught in a situation, which honestly it will happen, there's never, I heard a preacher say, there's never a convenient time to fast. And it's funny how people will come out the woodwork while you're fasting to get you to eat. Hey, we're having this party. You want to come out? Broski, you couldn't have picked like any other day. <laughs> you couldn't have picked any other day to have this massive party, but you put it during a fast while I'm fasting. There'll never be a convenient time to fast. However, you get caught in a situation like that. Don't go through all these things in your head. Don't try to play Scrabble and make a word salad trying to get out of telling people why you're not eating. You don't have to put your fast on front street. I'm not saying that. You don't have to put it on front street. But you don't have to work hard and labor and toil over how am I going to tell people that I'm on a fast without telling them because I don't want to lose my reward. Be at ease today. <laughs> Be at ease today. If your motivation for fasting is in check, then guess what? 
you are going to receive a spiritual reward. Your reward will not be natural like the hypocrites. Amen. Let's move on to the third question. Ah, this is an interesting question. And might step on a couple toes. The next two questions, I'm going to step on a couple toes with it. But that's all right. Social media fast. Non-food fast. Are they biblical? Now, in today's age, in modern Christianity, you've seen the rise of non-food fast. Social media fast where people, you know, take time um, at certain times of the year and they stay away from social media. They don't go on social media and they use that time to draw closer to the Lord. Which, let me tell you something, that is perfectly fine. That is perfectly fine. There are times where you do need to push that stuff away because honestly, it does work to get people's attention off of where it needs to be. Especially believers. There are some believers that are so caught up in, what's the word? I would call it deadhead social media scrolling. Just useless scrolling through social media and they're not being productive. They're wasting time in their day being unproductive and just scroll, 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 scroll. And it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to do that. And people are so caught up in that, that it messes with their spiritual life. You wake up first thing in the morning. The first thing you do is pick up your phone and start scrolling through IG. You start scrolling through Facebook. Oh, what's on TikTok today? And a lot of people, it does take up their time. Some people are sitting there and they're like, that's so stupid. I don't understand how that could happen to anybody. But there are people that do struggle with that. And a good solution to that problem would be push it away for a while. Some people need to push away social media permanently. Just just, just push it away. (laughs) Push it away for a minute and get your priorities back in check. That is not wrong, and that could benefit a lot of people. However, that is not a fast. Biblically speaking, social media fast and non-food fast are not in line with the scripture. Anytime in scripture when you saw somebody fasting, they always fasted food, and they never ate any food for a specific period of time. Now some people are saying, well, what about the Daniel fast? I'm going to get there at the end. We're going to get there. But you don't see non-food fast, social media fast, Netflix fast. Um, You don't see that in the word of God. And I don't say that to become the police of fasting and looking at everybody be like, are you fasting correctly? Are you fasting correctly? Are you fasting correctly? I don't come to police people about fasting. However, My job, part of my job as a preacher of the gospel, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, that we're here to help you help the body of Christ measure up to the standard that God has called them to. That is part of my job. So people pass these things off as if they're fast when biblically speaking, they're not. I remember I had a professor in Bible college. And it was my theology professor in Bible college. And it was in a class called Bible study methods. And he always told us that anytime you come to interpret scripture um, for today, the meaning of scripture for you today, 
you have to, they, he explained it as you have to carry it across a bridge of interpretation. So firstly, you have to interpret what the text meant to the original audience, who it was being written to originally in that day and age. And then through that meaning, you carry it over to interpret it properly to a believer today. Because if you don't do that correctly, then people will cherry pick scriptures and make it say something that is not and start isogening scripture and trying to read into a text instead of drawing out the actual meaning of the text. And this is a very good thing to know when it comes to studying fasting and prayer. If fasting in the word of God always dealt with food, then it's a problem to take any scripture regarding fasting and turn around and say, well, they fasted in the scripture, but you don't have to fast food today. You can fast social media if that's the right thing for you. Food is not really right for everybody. So if you want to fast Netflix for a week, go ahead and do that. If you want to fast Instagram for three days, go ahead and do that. Ah, that's a problem. You're not interpreting scripture correctly. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for fasting, psalm. T-S-O-M. That's the, that is the Hebrew word for fasting. It means to cover the mouth or literally put a cover over the mouth. The Greek word for fasting is nestia. N-E-S-T-E-I-A. Nestia. And it speaks of abstinence from food. So in the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek, when you see the words fasting come up, it speaks in both cases of abstaining from food. Not eating. Not eating. In the original languages that the word of God was written. Not eating. When the word fasting comes up. Not eating. It didn't say not eating, not going on social media, not watching TV, not playing video games, not, you no, not eating. And many people in the word of God, when they fasted, they didn't eat at all. It wasn't even certain food project products that they didn't eat. I'm cutting out sugar. I'm cutting out caffeine. Those are restrictions and they are helpful for you. However, fasting spoke of not eating. In rare cases, not eating or drinking but not eating. So it would be bad biblical scholarship to take biblical fasting and apply it to areas that it doesn't actually apply to, as we just talked about. And as I said, it is not wrong to stay away from these things. These things are helpful to stay away from at time. They have people in a mental state that is messed up and keeps them from tending to spiritual desires. However, they are not fasting. They are not biblically fasting. And I'm going to say something that is completely honest and may be kind of, may sound kind of harsh, but many people go say, I'm going on social media fast. I'm going on Netflix fast. I'm going on TV fast. Not because, okay, I'm going to actually do it and stay away from it, but it's because they don't want to fast. And their flesh is too strong. And they're led by their flesh. Which is another problem in and of itself. So they say, well, you know, I don't want to fast. And they're not going to admit that. And in an attempt to still feel like they're spiritual and deceive themselves 
Well, I'll do social media. I'll do something else that's easier to do. No, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. If you're going to fast, fast the Bible way. If you're going to do this, do it the way that you, that scripture tells you to do it. And there is great benefit that comes from it. Newsflash, your body is not going to like fasting. Your flesh will hate fasting. It will fight you at first. It will fight you. But the more you tend to spiritual things, the more you say no, the more you push that away, the more you resist that, you will become stronger spiritually and gain the strength to resist. And many people, when they go on extended fast, the first three days are kind of like you feel it. But then after that, you're perfectly fine. You're fine. And your body just stops fighting you. It stops saying, you'd be like, well, obviously this kid is not listening to me anymore, so I can't say anything anymore. Yeah, because you're not tending to your flesh anymore. You're not tending to fleshly desires for a season. And you're tending to your spirit man. And your spirit man is being strengthened. And giving you the ability to say no. So don't fall into that trap. If you want to restrict yourself from social media for a time, go ahead. By all means, do that. That will be helpful for you. But if you're going to fast biblically, then you need to do it the right way. And don't use these so-called fasts as ways to deceive yourself. If you have a problem with your flesh, don't say, well, you know, I'm not in a fast because, you know, there's other ways to fast. No, 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 no. If there's a problem with your flesh and you're led by your flesh and you can't say no, that's what it is. So that's what you have to understand. Social media fast, non-food fast, TV fast, all those other fasts that you see coming up today, they're not biblical. Nope, the answer is no, they're not biblical. Let's do it the right way and let's gain the right results. Let's go on to the last question. And this is probably the question that is most interesting of the four. Is the Daniel fast even biblical? The Daniel fast has become a very popular fast in Christianity. And there is a lot of information out there on the internet today. Just do a quick Google search of the Daniel fast and you will see a wealth of information, a wealth of YouTube videos pop up telling you about this fast. However, is the Daniel fast even biblical? Short answer, no. It wasn't even a fast. Daniel didn't call it a fast, nor did the Bible call it a fast. Now, some people might be saying, what in the world is the Daniel fast? I've never heard of that before. Now, the Daniel fast is a partial fast that is taken from Daniel 1, mostly from Daniel 1 and partly from Daniel chapter 10. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1 and see what it says here. In Daniel chapter 1, let me give you some background because I don't want to read the whole story, but Daniel ends up in Babylonian captivity. He ends up in Babylonian captivity, and King Nebuchadnezzar takes him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of the young men, some of the young Jewish men, he takes them to work in his courts. And 
he uses that he get he gives them Babylonian names, changes their identity, and lets them work in his courts. And as they are working, he gives them, he feeds them food, meat, and wine. And Daniel decides, him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide that they're not going to partake in the food that the king has given them. And one of the king's officials kind of has a problem with that and is like, well, you know, I don't know because if you don't partake in the king's food, you're not going to be strong enough to work. You're going to be malnourished. There's going to be a problem because you're not eating properly. And Daniel gives him a proposal to put him and the boys on a diet of vegetables and water. And he says, test us on this diet so that you can see that we'll be fine. Now, why didn't Daniel want to eat the king's food? You have a whole spread of food out there for you and you decide you're going to eat vegetables and water. What's wrong with this, man? Let's, re- let's see what the Bible has to say here. Verse 8. Or let me go back up a little bit. Daniel 1 verse 6. Or verse 5. Let's start at verse 5. I was going to start at verse 8, but let's start at verse 5. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were trained, they were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel, watch this, verse 8, was determined to not defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other use of your age, I'm afraid that the king will have me beheaded. But, verse 11, Daniel spoke with the intendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us, verse 12, for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Verse 14, the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and then tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned to them by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided to them for the others. Now watch that right there. Daniel and his friends would not touch the king's food. And you have to understand why they would not eat the king's food and decided to eat only vegetables and water. Many people use these scriptures to say, okay, they eat vegetables and water. That's a fast. So I'm going on the Daniel fast and there's certain foods I can eat, certain foods I can't eat. But why didn't Daniel eat the king's food? The Bible tells you it was because those foods were unacceptable and they would defile him. Now, I told you in the last video that 
scholars believe that they were food, some of the meats were meats that were offered to idols, and that was completely against the law. They weren't allowed to touch food that was offered to idols. So you have to understand that the food that the king had, Daniel and his friends didn't know if that food was okay for them to eat, according to the law. And it was food that was unacceptable to them and would defile them. That's the reason why they didn't touch the food. It wasn't because Daniel was fasting. It was because he was trying to stay faithful to God, stay true to the law, and not defile himself. Not mess himself up by way of food that isn't acceptable to him, to God, and to the law. Understand that. It had nothing to do with fasting. Daniel did not say, I was fasting, so I only ate vegetables and water. No, he said, I only ate vegetables and water because it was the only food in the king's court that was acceptable for me to eat. Do you understand that? That was the only food that was acceptable. The Bible tells you plain and, plain and simple, in clear terms, why they only ate vegetables and water. And people have wrongly took this scripture to say, oh, you see that? That was a fast. Daniel was fasting. So, you know, um, I'm going on the Daniel fast and there's great breakthrough that's going to be brought through that fast. It's not biblical. It was not a fast. It will never be a fast. Daniel didn't call it a fast and the Bible didn't call it a fast. Now, people also use a scripture in Daniel chapter 10 to support the Daniel fast. And in Daniel 10, I'm not going to read this, but in Daniel 10, Daniel gets caught up in a vision. And the Bible says in Daniel 10 verse 2, that when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. At the time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I'd used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So, for three weeks, Daniel says he was in mourning and he didn't eat. He did not eat no rich food. Now, depending on the translation, some translations will say pleasant bread, rich food, or bread of desirableness. So Daniel did not eat any food that was desirable, if you will. He did not eat any good food. He didn't eat anything good for that three-week period of time. So he says, I ate no rich food, no meat, no wine, and I didn't use any fragrant lotions. Now, people say that, and they add that to the Daniel fast too. So when you're, quote, on this fast, you don't eat sweets, you don't eat dairy, you don't eat cheese, you don't eat all that stuff. You eat legumes and grains and all of that stuff and vegetables and basic foods, if you will. And they take from Daniel 1 and they take from Daniel 10 to say, this is a Daniel fast. And then you search on YouTube and you see Daniel fast recipes and things you can eat while on the Daniel fast. Well, let me help you with something. In neither of those cases was Daniel fasting. Daniel doesn't say he was fasting in chapter 1, nor does he say he was fasting in chapter 10. And some may say, well, I mean, he didn't say it, but obviously we can see he was fasting. Not the case. Because a chapter before in Daniel 9, the Bible tells you that Daniel read 
Jeremiah's prophecy, the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy that Israel would have to lie desolate for 70 years. It was Daniel, it was Jeremiah 25, verse 11 to 12. That was that, yes, that's it. Jeremiah 25, verse 11 to 12. He said that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. And the Bible says that Daniel read that and he was so troubled by that and so troubled by the state that God's chosen people were in and how desolate they would be that he was so messed up and so distraught that he began to fast and pray and plead with God to have mercy on on his people. You understand that? That he went on a fast for Jerusalem. He went on a fast for the Jews. He went on a fast for God's people in Daniel 9. But in Daniel 10, he he gets caught up in another situation, has another vision. And in Daniel 10, he was with a group of men. And he got caught up in a vision and saw an angel. But the other men didn't see it. Only Daniel saw it. But they got afraid and ran away. This is a whole different situation. And Daniel says he wasn't fasting. But he was fasting in Daniel 9. So you have to understand that it wasn't that, oh, Daniel didn't say it, but he was fasting. He wasn't on a fast. He was not on a fast. In Daniel 9, he fasted. Daniel 10, the Bible says he was mourning. Daniel 1, the Bible tells you that he did not want to defile himself. So you have to understand That nowhere does the Bible support the Daniel fast. It wasn't even a fast. As I just said, in Daniel chapter 1, it was a matter of defilement. In Daniel chapter 10, he was in mourning. But in Daniel chapter 9, that's when he was fasting. That's when he actually was fasting. And the Bible doesn't say, I was fasting and I didn't eat this, I didn't eat that, but I only ate this and ate that. I was fasting. I did not eat. I did not eat. I covered my mouth. I abstained from food. I didn't touch it. I did not eat. This is what you have to understand. Don't give in to these things that do not fall in line with the scriptures. And as I said in the as I said last week, that if your fast causes you to focus on the thing that you should be abstaining from is not a proper fast. (laughs) If you're going to be on a fast and spend the whole fast staring at the TV, watching the Food Network, might as well come off the fast. You're missing the whole point. (laughs) Might as well just eat. If you're going to spend your whole entire fast creating recipes of foods to eat while you're fasting, then you have a problem. That's not proper fasting. And that's why I don't subscribe to the Daniel fast because it keeps people focused on food. It keeps people focused on what am I going to eat tonight? I told you a story about the preacher who had, who knew somebody in Bible college who did this Daniel fast and they walked around with a party sized bag of Tostitos. You're missing the whole point of fasting. Don't do that. So is the Daniel fast biblical? No. Let's put that to rest today. The Daniel fast is not biblical. If we are going to be believers and we are going to fast 
and pray. Let's do it the way the Bible told us to do it so that we can see the results that the Bible gives us. There are great spiritual benefits that come from fasting and prayer. Don't lose out on them. Don't neglect them. Don't throw them in the trash. But let's access all those spiritual benefits and become everything that God wants us to become. And I believe that's what's going to happen to you. When you begin to tap into the power of fasting and prayer, as we, begin to, as we began to discuss last week, when you tap into the power of that, you will see great results come. You will no longer struggle and try to beat down your flesh, but you will strengthen your spirit, man, and resist temptation and access every single benefit that fasting and prayer brings. I believe that's what's going to happen for you in Jesus' name as you do that. As you tap into this spiritual discipline, that'll be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. So right now, I want to give an opportunity. This is a good place to give an opportunity for people to receive Christ. Because if you are a person and you come on this video and you said, yeah, I actually have fallen into sin. I've been that person who's given into temptation many times and I haven't overcame it. And I want to overcome temptation today. I want to make a change and begin to do things differently this time. It starts with repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may have fallen into sin, but thank God he has provided a way for you to be set free from that power. For all your sins to be washed away and you to begin to live a new life in Christ Jesus. That carries power to overcome sin. That gives you the ability to overcome the temptations of the enemy. You may have messed up. You may have jacked up. You're not gone too far. You're not at the end of your rope just because you gave into temptation. God is a forgiving God. He's a merciful God. He will forgive you and give you a brand new start. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old man has passed away and behold all things have become new. When you say, I'm going to repent of my sins and I'm going to turn to Christ in faith and I'm going to begin this new life in Christ Jesus, the slate is wiped clean. God gives you a completely new life so that you can begin to live the way that he wants you to live. If that's you, I want you to pray with me today. And I want you from your heart sincerely to make that decision that I'm going to respond to God's call to salvation. I'm going to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. I'm going to respond to that and I'm going to turn my heart to Christ and begin to walk in his ways and live the way he wants me to live and live like that all the days of my life. And there's great benefits that come from that. There's great benefit that comes from living righteously. So make that decision today. Do that and you will see those benefits begin to play out in your life from this day forward. The places that the enemy had had you trapped in before, the calamity and hell and mess that he brought in your life through sin before, gone. You have authority over that. You have power over that. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. I want you to receive that today. But it starts with making that decision to repent of your sins and receive Jesus' sacrifice and turn away from sin. So let's do that today if that's you. I want you to pray with me from your heart right now. Sincerely, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to sacrifice his life for my sin. I believe that he died and was raised back to life for me. 
So now I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I receive the power to live holy until you return. I am no longer a sinner, but from this day forward, I am a child of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. If you just prayed with me and responded to God's call for salvation, I want you to now take the next step. I want to help you to begin to walk on this path of righteousness. Many people get to the point where they feel like, okay, I just got saved, but what do I do next? I want to help you with that. There's a link in the description that will take you to a page on my website, and I want you to fill out the form there. And when you fill out that form, I'll send you some resources that will help you begin to walk on this path of righteousness and begin your walk with Christ. You don't have to walk this path alone. You have the help of the Holy Spirit, and now you also have my help. So I want to send you resources, I want to pray for you, and I want to help you to become a strong believer. So go ahead and click the link now. God has made a way for his children to be totally liberated from the power of sin. But many Christians don't understand this. In Marlon Benjamin's book, Undefiled, he teaches that Christ put an end to sin's control and gave us the ability to resist all its temptations when they come. Order your copy now on Amazon or MarlonBenjamin.net. What's up, everybody? It's Marlon Benjamin, and I want to challenge you to consider becoming a partner with this ministry today. You know, our partners commit to praying for us continuously, and they connect their finances to this ministry on a monthly basis. You know, God has allowed us to preach some powerful services over this past year, and we have seen God demonstrate his power in mighty ways, and we have seen people get saved and come into the kingdom of God. We've also been able to expand the reach of the gospel through YouTube, the podcast, and I'm Saved, Now What?, which helps us connect to those who are being saved through our online ministry and get them on the path of righteousness and help them begin their walk with Christ. We last year, we just connected ourselves and became partners with Lester Summerall's Feed the Hungry. And we are providing meals to those who are in need on a monthly basis. So I want you to consider, prayerfully consider, becoming a partner of this ministry today. You can click the link in the description or go to marlinbenjamin.net, hit the Give Now page, and go to the partnership page. And you can see what we're doing and become a partner today. Thank you so much and God bless you.